We're diving deep into Cardinals baseball with World Series champion Brad Thompson on the Redbird Report podcast on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Welcome into another edition of the Redbird Report podcast. My name is Brad Thompson. I'm your host, and spring training is almost over. There's a lot up for grabs, and there is some serious news coming out of Jupiter, Florida this morning. Adam Wainwright, who just returned from the World Baseball Classic last time we saw him on the big stage, was against Cuba, where He gutted it through a first inning, ended up going four strong, only gave up one. Adam Wainwright, who we presumed was going to be starting on opening day in St. Louis on his final year against the Toronto Blue Jays, is headed to the IL. Ollie Marmol sat with the assembled media this morning and said that Adam Wainwright suffered a strained groin during a weight room workout on Tuesday that was prior to the championship game. He is likely to miss quote-unquote several weeks. So incredibly disappointing news, obviously, for Adam Wainwright, who was looking forward to start another opener. It's his final year, and he ends up starting it on the IL right now. He's going to halt everything. The throwing program is going to have to stop. When you're dealing with a strained groin, there's very little that you can do. you got to go through the process, try to keep yourself as strong as possible, but there is no like real throwing. He might be able to do some seated arm stuff, but the, the fact that he had been built up early, throwing some high-pressure games, you thought that that might end up paying some dividends heading into the early part of the season. You did worry about the back end of the season, but right now Adam Wainwright's going to get himself a breather as he rehabs. So the question is what is the replacement what does it look like now that Adam Wainwright will not start opening day well I guess we can start with opening day who's the opening day starter now right now it looks to be a two-horse race is the way that Ollie kind of put it it's basically between Miles Michaelis and potentially Jack Flaherty and I think that a lot of it just comes down to how ready is Michaelis how built up is he didn't get as many innings in the World Baseball Classic but he looked sharper than anybody that we saw early in camp he had two starts before he ended up heading off to the WBC and the dude looked ready to start the season a month ago so could absolutely see him being the guy And when it comes to Jack Flaherty, we've seen some encouraging signs from him out of Grapefruit League play so far as well. First of all, he's healthy. That's the biggest thing we needed to know about Jack. Does there still need to be some fine-tuning? Absolutely, but so far... Four starts for him. He's gone 16 innings. He's punched out 14. He has scattered 22 hits in those 16 innings. But the big thing, again, to me is that we're seeing that uptick in velocity again. It's not constant 94-95. We'll see him down there in the low 90s and then ramp up when he needs to. But we've seen him up to 96 miles an hour in spring. He's been working on a cutter to really help keep those left-handed hitters honest, having that hard pitch that comes in on the hands. And uh, I like what we've seen so far out of Jack Flaherty, but I'm sure we'll get the news here very shortly who ends up starting opening day. But again, unfortunately, it will not be Adam Wainwright. But forget opening day for a second. Who takes Adam Wainwright's spot in the rotation? I think that that's one of the bigger questions. And it feels like on the surface, a very obvious question to answer. The obvious answer has got to be Jake Woodford, doesn't it? 
Jake Woodford had put together a ridiculous camp to this point. Every single time he's been out there, he has looked solid. He's got command of the strike zone. He's got command of his off-speed stuff. He's been aggressive, and he's put up very good numbers so far. So he's the one that I would expect to jump right into this rotation spot, uh, and I think that he'll thrive. I think it's a, a fantastic opportunity for the young Jake Woodford. And to me... It's one for Jake. We've seen him start in the big leagues. We've seen him out of the pen. We saw him get yo-yoed back and forth last year. And we always talk about this, starting pitching depth. You have to have a bunch of it. You always think you have a lot. And then opening day is a week away, and then somebody goes down. It's an opportunity for him to really cement a spot in this rotation. Because, look, who knows how Adam Wainwright is going to bounce back from this. You hope he's going to be fine in a month. But it's a great opportunity for Woodford to say, look, this is my chance, and I'm going to take it. And I'm going to make it a very difficult decision once Adam Wainwright does come back. Again, nothing confirmed with Jake Woodford in that spot, but you would have to believe that he ends up being a big part of what they're doing going forward. He was already going to be on this team as that swing man in the bullpen. I think he swings right into the rotation. And for his sake, I hope he makes it very difficult for the Cardinals to take him out of that rotation. So with that being said, with Woodford potentially going into the rotation, that does open up a spot in the bullpen for that swing man. As you guys know, we haven't talked about it on the podcast yet, but a couple of those guys that could be candidates for a swing man type role just ended up getting sent down to minor league camp the other day. Matthew Libertor, who, by the way, last time out against the Tigers, it's as good as I've seen Libby in a Cardinal uniform. The velocity was there. He was running up at 96. The breaking ball was a hammer. It looked really good, and he was aggressive. Ended up punching out six in that outing against the Tigers, but he ends up getting shipped out. They want to continue to be able to give him innings out there. That's the the big part. They want to keep building him up as he's a potential starter for you down the road, and who knows? Maybe his name gets thrown in the mix at some point if Adam Wainwright's out a little bit longer than they expect him to, uh, but He could be a swing-type guy for you if they wanted to recall him from minor league camp. I don't see it. Uh, And Dakota Hudson is the other one. Dakota looked like he was slated for that role. Anyhow, they want him to – they sent him out but they want him to continue to throw more and more strikes. Can't be ball one, ball two, but maybe his name gets thrown out there as well when you're looking at filling this roster. If you are also thinking, hey, Brad, what about Wilking Rodriguez? We haven't talked a lot about him. I know we've talked a lot of bullpen, but he was the Rule 5 pick from the Yankees. And if he isn't on the roster, then he has to be able to be offered back to the Yankees. And you might end up losing a piece that you like. Well, some news on Wilking Rodriguez as well, who's had a pretty good camp. He's fighting for a spot in the bullpen. He had some right shoulder soreness after a recent outing. He took a few days off. He started throwing again, and uh, it just didn't feel right. So he is going to actually start the season on the IL. So now being that Rule 5 pick from uh, the Yankees, Since he's beginning the year on the IL, the Cardinals don't have to offer him back to the Yankees. He's still technically on the big league roster. So right now, uh, he won't have to go pass through waivers or any of that stuff. He's just, he's on the team, but he ends up being on the IL. So Wilking Rodriguez isn't one of the definitive answers out in the pen. So who does it open it up for? 
I would think right now the way things set in the bullpen, and Ollie has talked about this and we've talked about this on the podcast, the Cardinals are going to go with 13 position players and 13 pitchers. You've got your five starters. That leaves eight in the bullpen. I did all this math myself. You don't have to look into it. I promise it checks out. So here are the ones that I believe we know for sure are going to be a part of things now, especially with the injury to Adam Wainwright and the thought that Woodford's going to slide right into the rotation. Helsley, Gallegos, Hicks. We can all expect those guys to be there. I believe that Stratton and Verhagen, both guys under contract, both having good camps, they'll be there as well. That ends up being five pieces. I think that there is only one left-hander right now that is absolutely on this roster and absolutely deserves to be there, and to me, that is Zach Thompson. Zach Thompson having a ridiculous spring. He's showing off that increased velocity. He's got a breaking ball that he can throw for strike. He can throw it for a chase. It's a snapdragon. It's been fun to watch with Zach Thompson. So he ends up being there. That's six. That leaves two spots remaining in this Cardinal bullpen. To me, a guy that was on the fence, and I know it seems crazy with a lot of the success that he had last year, but he still had something to prove. A guy that was on the fence that probably gets pushed right into this bullpen, and I'm glad that he's there, is Andre Pallante. I believe Pallante will be the seventh man in this bullpen. We saw Andre bust onto the scene last year. He was a guy in spring training. You just couldn't stop watching him, and you just had to put him on the team, and that's exactly what they did. 47 games for the Cardinals last year. He started 10 of those games, had a 3.17 ERA. He was a ground ball machine, as we've talked about, especially against those left-handers. But what they want Andre Pallante to continue to prove, and Andre had a scoreless inning yesterday against the Marlins, they want him to continue to prove that he has got something. He has got a weapon against the right-handers. Because look at last year, right-handed batters hit 295 off of Pallante with an 805 OPS. Against the lefties, they hit 246 with a 619 OPS. There is something about his fastball, the way that it spins, it is difficult for lefties to pick up. You think you're going to barrel it. You end up beating it into the ground. But Andre Pallante is going to have to show that he can establish that fastball in on some of the right-handers so they don't hang out over the plate and shoot it the other way. And he's also going to have to throw his slider for a strike. And that's really what they want to see. That's next level Andre Pallante. But early in camp and during the WBC, his velocity has been up. The breaking ball looked good. So I think that he slots in as that seventh guy. So the question is, who is the eighth guy in this bullpen right now? Well, currently, you only have one traditional lefty if it works out the way that I've laid it out, and that is Zach Thompson. Just talked about Andre Pallante and how dominant he is against left-handed batters. You could use him as a de facto lefty. I mean, the, the way that his stuff profiles... I don't care about your handedness. Do you get lefties out? He gets lefties out. So uh, you could use him there. But I really think that with Woodford potentially shifting into this rotation, you'd have to think that this opens the door for another lefty. And that's where the rest of camp, the next few days, gets actually really intriguing to watch different guys. Jojo Romero, he picked up a couple of wins at the World Baseball Classic. He is back. He's in the mix. We got Henesis Cabrera that is definitely in the mix. You want to see him go out there and dominate. I'd really like to see his velocity have a little uptick also. I know it's hard to get the adrenaline going in spring training, but to me, Cabrera, there's there's 
a difference between Hennessy Cabrera at 94-95 than there is Hennessy Cabrera at 96-98. to It's a, a whole different factor. When he's 96-98, he's dominant. He's got that swagger out there on the mound. He's good to go. Uh, when he's not, you can kind of tell, and I believe he's a, a little bit hittable. So you think that he's there. And then a the couple of newcomers. You've seen uh, Andrew Suarez have a really, really good camp, has not been scored upon yet, the lefty that the Cardinals picked up last couple of years over Overseas. He played in Japan. He played in Korea the year prior. And the three previous years, he had parts of big league seasons with the Giants. Had a really nice camp. Deceptive lefty. Runs it up there about 92 to 94. Good breaking ball. Good feel for what he's doing. Anthony Masevich is the other name you might have thought of, but he was optioned to AAA earlier today. Decent camp, but not enough to break. So with the injury news to Adam Wainwright, there is a lot to hash out still here in the last week, and not even week. I mean, these guys are going to take off uh, early next week to get back. So there's a handful of games left for them to figure things out, shake things out out of the bullpen. So going to be very intriguing for these guys that are battling for spots. We'll keep you posted. We'll talk about it. But again, if you, you missed the beginning of this news, which is hard to do in a podcast. I don't know how you would miss the beginning of the news. It's not like you popped in on this on a radio show, but disappointing nonetheless. Adam Wainwright set to start the season on the IL with a groin strain that he suffered getting a workout in prior to the WBC championship game, didn't know the severity of it, got back to Jupiter, Florida, ended up getting checked out by the Cardinals and said uh, it is time to shut things down for a little bit. Disappointing for Wayno. Quickly, though, before I move on from the Wayno thing, I do wonder, and this is a silver lining type thing, I do like sunshine and lollipops, I wonder if this ends up being a good thing for Adam Wainwright, and I wonder if it actually ends up being a good thing for the Cardinals. Right now, look, forget resumes, okay? Just put two players side by side. Who has looked better, Adam Wainwright or Jake Woodford? Even though Adam Wainwright had a lot of success in his couple of starts at the World Baseball Classic, Woodford has looked better, and I think it's very easy to say that, and he'll start the season in the rotation most likely, and you go from there and he can build off of it. For Adam Wainwright, a guy that had to ramp things up early, you remember even before he left for the World Baseball Classic, there have been plenty of questions about his velocity. There were questions about his health at the end of last year. I know he explained a lot of that away with a a long tweet about getting hit in the leg and a stride length and all of it ends up making sense. But he also had a glute issue that wasn't firing, and that ended up being a reason for some of the velocity stuff. Maybe some downtime for Adam Wainwright right now, and then the ability to ramp back up. Maybe that ends up being a really good thing for Adam Wainwright. Because for me personally, one of the things that I was most concerned about with him going to the World Baseball Classic is the fact that he is 41 years old and then ramping up way earlier. And I just really wondered if, not that if he could do it, because we know that he could do that, but I wondered if he could ramp up that early and then keep that same intensity and that same workload all the way through October into the beginning of November where the Cardinals hope to be playing and competing for a championship. Like that to me was one of the biggest questions. And now 
he's got a time to reset. Is it ideal? No, it's not ideal. Would he love to be there on opening day? Of course. Would we love to see him out there on opening day, his final opening day, with the St. Louis Cardinals, yes, yeah, for sure. Like, as a fan, that sucks that you're not going to get to see that. But from a team standpoint and for an Adam Wainwright standpoint here going through the rest of the year, assuming he bounces back from this well, I don't think this ends up being the worst thing in the world for the team or for Adam Wainwright. We'll see. Maybe that's just a silver lining look at it, but that's kind of the way I feel sitting here just getting the news about 15, 20 minutes ago about Adam Wainwright starting the season on the I.L. All right, now where else do we go? We got the Adam Wainwright news. We wish him the best. We're going to continue to see this roster take form in the next handful of days. How about this? What have we learned in spring training to this point? And maybe there are different answers for each and every one of you. Let's start with one thing that I learned, and it's a name that we've talked about on basically every single Redbird Report podcast to this point. I believe I've learned that Jordan Walker is the real deal. Walker right now in camp, he's hitting 316, 328 OBP, 561 slug. He's got five doubles. He's got three home runs. It's been a very productive camp for him in pretty much every single facet. He's shown off the power. He's shown off the speed. He's shown that even when all the eyes are on him, he can continue to perform. Now, the last couple of days against the Marlins, he ended up going 0 for his last 8 against the Marlins. He is in the lineup batting 6 today against the Yankees. Again, that game will start in a couple of hours here uh, as I'm recording this podcast. I still think it matters how Jordan Walker finishes this spring training. I still think that this is a time here in the next handful of days where he can continue to apply the pressure. The last thing that he wants to do is open the door just a little bit for anybody else. Forget that. Slam the door. Go out there and dominate. Right now, there's no way you can tell me that there are four outfielders that are more talented than Jordan Walker, no matter what I see in the next five days. But I want him to... Head into the regular season, hopefully making the opening day roster as a 20-year-old. I want him to do so with an exclamation point because all spring long, it's been an exclamation point. It's been one big smile watching that guy play. And by the way, he plays with one big smile. He's six foot six. He hits for power. He's got speed. He's got a rocket arm. He looks good in the outfield, and he's doing everything right. So I have learned that he is real. The other thing, or another thing, that I have learned in spring training is the starting staff with current news about Adam Wainwright, even with that factored in, the staff has looked solid so far this spring training. Steven Matz, who was limited to 15 games last year, 10 starts a year ago, disappointing. They signed him to a big contract, four-year, $44 million. He was coming off of his best year that he's had as a professional with the Blue Jays, and then he gets hurt. He's looked really, really good. 11 and two-thirds innings, 12 punch outs. He is slated to go today against the Yankees. He's putting his fastball where he wants it. The velocity looks good. Everything feels comfortable and looks comfortable coming out of the hands of Steven Matz. And I think that this is a year for him to prove that, hey, they signed me for a reason. You look at the future here of the rotation, 
A lot, a lot of uncertainty. He's the only guy, as we've talked about plenty before on this podcast, that is signed beyond 2023. So it's an opportunity for him to say, this is my staff now. Like, this, I am the future, and go out there and take that. And I think that in spring training, we've seen a different, aggressive Steven Matz. He looks really good. Monty, Jordan Montgomery, five scoreless yesterday. Then you look at some of the spring numbers, and you say, ah, he's got an ERA in the mid-fours. It doesn't look great. Uh, if you watched his outings, they played a lot better than some of his early numbers. You had a lot of ground balls that ended up finding holes. But again, five scoreless yesterday. He Having him for an entire season, I think that's going to be a lot of fun. We talked about Flaherty, his four starts that he's had so far. He's got the velocity back. He is uh, still feeling for, I feel like game to game, he's got feel for like one of his pitches or another. Either the slider's there or the curveball or we've seen some of the good cutters. It's just the consistency with some of those secondary pitches that he's really looking to hone in here uh, as opening day is approaching. But love what we've seen out of him. And we talked about Michaelis. Michaelis looked as dialed in as any pitcher early in camp in his two, uh, two outings before heading to the World Baseball Classic. He looked good on the big stage of the WBC as well. So life looks pretty darn good in the Cardinals rotation. Again, assuming that the fifth starter job, or at least that spot that is vacated by Adam Wainwright will be filled by Jake Woodford, I feel really, really good about the starting rotation. The question still remains when it comes to the starters, okay? Because I'm not saying, well, good thing they didn't go get Verlander or thank God they didn't go whoever, like whoever your starter is, I wanted that guy too. Believe me, I wanted that guy. The question still remains come the postseason, do the Cardinals have an ace that can go up against another team's ace? Do they have that pitcher that the opposition goes to bed and they're having nightmares about that guy? I'm not sure. I don't like. I don't think so on the surface. Could Jack be that guy? Could Monty emerge into one of those guys? Even though he doesn't like appear to be the most dominant. It's all velocity all the time. Dude can flat out pitch. So. We'll find out. We'll also find out if that looks like a tweak the Cardinals need to make down the stretch. But this starting staff to this point looks really, really good. Another thing that we've learned, or at least I think that I have learned, and I felt like I knew it anyhow coming into spring training, and that was on the heels of a 394 on base percentage for this guy last year, but I believe that the Cardinals have their leadoff man in Brendan Donovan. Donovan having a strong spring again. He's getting on base. He's hitting for more power. We talked about some of the changes that he made. He went to the Marucci lab, and they broke down his swing. They got him standing a little bit more upright, and then he's getting into his power a little bit more. That has shown off in spring training with his four home runs that he's got. Still has the on-base skills. He's not hunting homers. He's just getting to the ball. They've changed his bat. His bat is heavier. He's got that counterbalance, that hockey puck knob that's getting the barrel through a little bit quicker for him, able to drop that heavier bat on the ball. You drop the heavier bat on the ball, ball ends up going further. But uh, Donnie is your leadoff guy. That guy ends up being a big-time table setter for what you're doing, and every once in a while he'll clear the table himself the way that he ends up swinging it. But that's one thing that I believe has been established so far in spring training is the Cardinals have their leadoff man in Brendan Donovan. Another thing that has stood out to me, and I believe that I've learned, is that Nolan Gorman, he was hungry this offseason. 
and he was determined to not be an afterthought in spring training. We've talked so much about Jordan Walker and Mason Wynn, and then obviously you're going to talk about Contreras who comes in. You've got the MVP in Paul Goldschmidt. you got a guy that I think is going to be pushing for the MVP again this year in Nolan Arenado, one of the best players in the game of baseball. The young Nolan Gorman made his debut last year. We saw flashes of the power. We saw good barrel rates. We saw good exit velocities. We saw him swing and miss a ton. We saw him miss the elevated fastball pretty much every single time it was thrown. And we've seen him now in spring training come in. He's hitting for average. He's still showing off that power. And he looks like a guy that is just ready to run with whatever the opportunity is. I believe that Brendan Donovan is going to get the lion's share of reps over at second base. It still opens up, and there still are plenty of openings for at-bats for Gorman. Gorman, we can see him play some third here and there, played plenty of third when uh, when Nolan Arenado was out at the World Baseball Classic during this spring training. He'll get his reps at second, and now with the DH, that opens up a lot of at-bats for the young Gorman. Right now, he's got the second-highest OPS in spring training for the Cardinals. He's got the highest on-base percentage of qualified hitters, sitting at a 408. He's figuring out different ways to get on base and you look at him how young he is the raw power from the left side that's a unique ability that is an exciting part of what is going on this year for the Cardinals I hope it continues I hope he continues to make adjustments but I love the work that he put in at a young age this offseason to make himself a more complete hitter what about questions what about questions that we might have? And I think there's still plenty of those. A lot of the questions are roster questions of how it shakes out. Does Jordan Walker ended up making this team? What does the bullpen shakeup look like? Got any other questions right now? I got a few. Uh, Ollie talked to the media the other day, and he was talking about his lineup, and he said, I feel pretty good about 3-4-5. Three, 3-4-5 four, five. Three, four, five being Goldie, Arenado, and Contreras, which, boy, that sounds really good right in the meat of the lineup. We just talked about Brendan Donovan, who ends up being the leadoff guy, the table setter. He can get on base a ton. But that does leave a little opening right there in the two-hole. Who best fits? Who's this, Who's the two-hole hitter for the St. Louis Cardinals this year? Now, we all know there's not one definitive answer, but I do think that it's going to be very important to have a productive guy there day in and day out. Maybe it changes with the pitcher, the matchups, but I, I don't think that that can be a constant churn of, oh, well, this didn't work. What if this works? Well, if Dylan could go here, and what about Tyler O'Neill and maybe Jordan Walker? Like, uh, I, one of those guys has to end up taking the job. If not, I'm not going to sit there with Goldie hitting third when I can hit him second. Goldie's your best hitter. So I, I, I wonder who ends up filling that void. I think that there are a lot of interesting candidates that could do that. Newt could be in that mix also with his bat-to-ball ability. I think there are a lot of options there. But I think to me that's going to be that two-hole in this Cardinal lineup is going to be one of the more pivotal and one of the more interesting interesting pieces that Ollie is going to have to continue to find out and tweak throughout the season. Other questions, who's the backup catcher? I don't think that there's any more clarity than last time we talked about it. I mean, it's between Kiz and Barrera. Kiz is having a rough time at the plate, boy. Four for 38 coming into this podcast at the plate. He's pressing. He, he's, he's. I'm sure that the wheels are turning every time he's up at bat, thinking he's trying to make the team with every time that he, that he swings. Uh, Barrera having a, a better spring, certainly numbers-wise, than Kisner is. If you're just looking on paper, you take Barrera – 
and you run with it. But I think that that job is far more than just looking on paper. And this is a question that I don't have all the answers to, but how has Barrera ingrained himself with uh, with the staff? Like, how does he fit in? I know that Kiz fits in really well. They have to have a certain personality to be that backup catcher, and Kiz has it. He, he's always got a smile on his face. He's always happy to do everything for you. I get it. Okay, it's a results-oriented uh, business. Uh, but I, I wonder if – you just start the season with him as the backup catcher. If he ends up looking like throughout the season that he is getting overly exposed again, then maybe you end up making the move. I think that Kiz ends up being the backup when it starts, uh, but I'm not sure. I'm not sure on that one. We'll see. Maybe there's more clarity in the next three or four days. And the final question that I have right now uh, that's not on the field at all is are we going to see any extensions right now for any of these Cardinals and the expiring contracts that they have? I know Jordan Montgomery was recently asked. He's an impending free agent after this season. Cardinals picked him up at the deadline, very solid for them last year. And he basically said that the ball is in the Cardinals' court right now. If they want to talk, I'm here to talk. But he said once the season happens, once the season starts, he is focused on winning games, which I love to hear that. I respect to hear that. But I would also love to know what an extension could look like for Monty. Monty, as you guys know, probably know, he is represented by Scott Boris, generally Scott Boris' clients end up hitting free agency. It doesn't mean they won't come back. We saw that with Matt Holiday. Matt Holiday technically hit free agency, but then he ended up coming back to the place that he wanted to be. But I'd be interested in kicking the tires on a Montgomery extension. And the one that I, I still expect this to get done before spring training if, before spring training ends, is an extension for Miles Michaelis. I think that if you could get him on a two-year extension, that would be great. The market might force you to a three-year extension. I think somewhere around that $15 million per year would be very fair and good for both sides there when it comes to him. Goldie, as we know, is only under contract uh, through next year. Do you think about potentially – adding a year or two to Paul Goldschmidt's deal? Do you worry about the age? I don't really. The way that he takes care of his body, I think that a few more years on Goldie might be a very good thing as well. But I think that we might see some extension news here at the end of spring training, or at least maybe I'm being hopeful. I would like to see some extension news for some of these Cardinals coming out of camp. But plenty still to break down in the next handful of days. I'll talk to you guys again very, very soon. Any news comes out about the rotation, about the bullpen, whatever it is. We'll break it all down here on the Redbird Report. Thanks for listening. Tell your friends, and we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Redbird Report podcast with Brad Thompson on 101 ESPN, driven by Dobbs Tire and Auto Centers. Check out every episode at 101ESPN.com or on your 101 mobile app.